Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. Family business, energy inclusion, and giving back all drive Ronnie Peronic, who joins Houston Business Journal Managing Editor Jonathan Adams for an uplifting conversation. Ronnie, tell me a bit about yourself. Hey, so I am the EVP and Global CFO for Worldwide Oracle Machine, or WAMP. Some people call it WMM. I also played two other hats, right? So I'm also the chair for the Peronic Foundation, which is our CSR arm of WAMP. And we primarily focus on underprivileged, underserved kids to educate them from K through 12. We're also starting our own charter school here called Next Gen Innovation Academies. And then the third hat is that I'm an author. I'm just going to release my book in the spring of next year called Seven Letters to My Daughters. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, uh, first of all, let's kind of start off with a worldwide oil field machine. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely. So this company was started by my father about 42 years ago, uh, headquartered here in Houston. Typical, you know, American dream story. Started off with three people. And today, fast forward 42 years later, we are now 4,000 people worldwide with 11 locations worldwide in the major oil and gas hubs. Uh, And we're manufacturers. We're also engineers. We are vertically integrated, which means that we can produce, mend, and mold any sort of steel for high pressure and high temperature for the oil and gas, as well as railways, defense, and aerospace. Uh, We've come a long way, I'll tell you that. Uh, I grew up in this business, and uh, for the first 19 years, I lived in Houston. So again, grew up in the business, saw dad grow the company. Uh, The next 19 years of my life, I lived in India, where I actually ran my own dance and leadership school. Cool. Then I came, yeah. Then I came back uh, to the business in 2007. Joined Dad again. Really didn't know what my role was. He said, "Yeah, if you want to help, just do what you want." No specified role at all. But they know one thing just led to the next. I got an MBA from Rice in 2014. Had no title for two years after that, and then in 2016 became global CFO. I definitely was not handed a silver spoon. I'll tell you that, especially when you're in the family, it's much harder. Uh, But uh, here I am now, and now I'm the incoming CEO. What made you want to stay in the field, aside from potentially becoming the incoming CEO? (laughs) Uh, Well, here's the thing. I know that this company was built on a foundation of being a people company. So for me, whether it was, you know, starting this found uh, my own company, dance company back in India, you know, I've always been a people person. And to complement that, the products that we engineer, that we serve, that we build solutions for in this oil and gas industry, uh, we always talk about ESG. Now it's like this popular word, right? Environmental social governance. Everything that we do in this company from day one has always checked off that box, even though it was not sort of like the buzzword. For me, that's near and dear. So if I can create this organization of people with the same commitment and passion to make the next life better through our product, through our processes, through even through the way that we treat each other as employees, as peers, and with all the nonprofits that we serve, that drives me. That makes me want to do this even more. Can you tell me about like your goals for the next five to 10 years at Worldwide Oilfield Machine? Yeah, absolutely. And I love this part of it. So number one, people always ask me being incoming CEO, are you guys going to go public? No, we're going to stay private. I always say that we're private with a purpose. It gives us flexibility, really, and honestly, the ability to just 
pivot and, and change with the world uh, and be able to serve it better. In the next five to seven years, here's the thing, right? Now we're about a $250 million company worldwide. So in the next five to seven years, the goal is for this company to have a revenue target as well as a people impact target. The revenue target is to meet and be a $1 billion company, okay? But also with that, which is most important and the reason why we want to be a $1 billion company, Jonathan, is to impact 1 billion lives. That's like the population of India. But this is why we do what we do. When you become CEO, you're going to be a member of a very small group of women who run energy companies. Uh, can you tell me about the challenges you've faced as a woman in energy? So I get this question a lot. And I'll say one thing, where regardless of whether I am a woman or you know I could have been a man in this position too, in all honesty, we still face the same frustrations, same obstacles, same challenges in terms of bettering ourselves. So I don't just look at myself as a woman. Yes, I will give you, have there been challenges because of my gender? Absolutely. But what shines through, regardless of gender, is merit, is work ethic, and your commitment to really, really showing up at your best each and every single day. So yes, there have been challenges, but at the same time, I really don't focus too much on that. I would say that if it was a man in my position and he had the same work ethic, he'd still be able to blaze that trail. And uh, same thing for a woman. I mean, there's so many women that have come before me, not just in the energy industry, but just globally all over, right? I mean, I come from, my parents come from India. We had, when I say we, India had the first woman prime minister in the entire world. So many women have blazer trails, which honestly made my life maybe a little easier. But for us to really benefit from all the work that's been done before me, means for me to show up as my best. And I'm a big proponent of legacy, which means whatever I do today, when I say making the next life better, it's got to start paving the way for other human beings and other people for their lives to be easier and better and more successful. So what advice would you have for others interested in getting into the energy field? Know that energy is something that impacts every single person on this planet. So if you decide to get into this field, let me tell you, it's, it's the most impactful field all over. We all need to somehow move from A to B. We all somehow need electricity and heating. That's the beauty of this industry. So if you're part of it, you also have the ability to impact and make sure that you are processing, producing a very environmentally conscious way. Because even though we are utilizing energy, one of the primary, I would say, areas that are also impact is the environment. So that needs to be on the forefront as well. So being able to produce energy, which is going to be required as the growing population continues to expand throughout our years, but to do it responsibly. I read that um, your company is very involved in the energy transition. Can you kind of talk about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so one thing I'd like to make a slight tweak on the verbiage is transition. I really don't see a transition. Transition for me in my mind means, you know, you're moving from one way of life to eliminating it to a second secondary way of life. No, the way I see it is I call it energy inclusion. So the alternative energies that are now being developed more economically, more they're more available, accessible to us. That is an inclusion to the traditional conventional forms of generating and procuring energy. So what do we do as WOM? Remember, we're a manufacturing and an engineering firm. So the way we design our products, 
we make sure that they are really bringing into effect how can I lower my grease? How can I make the next life safer? Taking him out of the red zone. How can I decrease the emission footprint by reducing the weight and the size and the volume of my equipment so that they transport more equipment at one time rather than using fleets of uh, transportation trucks and so on. So the way that we design products is to include the environment, which not necessarily has always been done in the conventional ways of extracting energy. And so I also kind of wanted to back up a little bit um, to the very beginning of the conversation when you mentioned your charter school. Can you talk about that some? Yeah, absolutely. So my big part of why I run a business is to give back. You know, Jonathan, for me, it's about the earn and return cycle. It really is. I'm not here to, you know, buy yachts and houses and all that. For me, it's about this is a great organization with a great mission. And if we can earn so that we can return, then this cycle starts to build a legacy for itself because it's more than just the sum of us as people, but it's an impact going forward. The charter school is an extension of that philosophy. So the charter school is based off of two components. One, entrepreneurial skills. As the world continues to change, we always ask, you know, how do you deal with uncertainty, whether it's COVID or, hey, even having a cold when you wake up in the morning, there's always uncertainty always uncertainty. If our children of the next generation can be more creative to know that they are limitless in their thinking, that they can be resourceful in the most limited, limited circumstances, that's a win-win for them. They will succeed no matter where they go, whichever industry that they're in. So entrepreneurship is big for me. Remember, I used to run a dance academy. I know the power of art and creativity. So the second path that we're doing, specifically since we're starting here in Houston, is taking the biotech pathway. So right now we've got great support from Baylor College of Medicine and just overall the medical industry here in Houston to really formulate this school, which has this very creative thinking brain, the international business piece to it, as well as understanding what biotech and the creative sciences really, really can do uh, for this city. And along with that, we're going to do energy as well. So how did you find funding to build this uh, charter school? Well, as a charter school, we're a public charter school. So that means the majority of the funding comes from the state. Now, if there are other programs that we want to build in, which make our charter school more impactful and really being able to educate our children in a more impactful way, then, you know, I belong to a huge, WM belongs to a huge corporate uh, pool, if you will. There are so many companies, so many organizations that are willing to contribute to this cause and this purpose that we're providing. And also WAM itself, again, that earn and return cycle. So we're definitely donating quite a chunk of, of, of just our earnings to this project. That's awesome. And so do you have like an ETA on when the school is going to open? Well, fingers crossed. Right now we're in the application process as everything goes through. We should have a green signal by next year around June, July to keep going, uh, which means that we should have a school sometime in 2024 fall. Have you picked a location or anything like that? It should be Spring Branch, yes. The school will be a middle school going into high school with, with a pathway to college. Yeah. And so I also wanted to talk to you about your dance school in India. Um, how did you get started with that? How did that, you know, that's fascinating <laughs> to me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I know people in my oil and gas world are like, you did what now? So I was married at a very young age in India. I was, I was part of an arranged marriage at 19. When my young, oldest daughter was born, she started going to school when she was about four. 
Now, this was an all-girls school. And for some reason, I was just like, eh, I don't know about this. It's an all-girls school. I just wanted to be close to her. So I found a reason to be, which I had a pretty extensive dance background as well as a singing background. Put that together. Started teaching in her school, which then made me think, well, why don't I start my own academy? I see clearly that girls, specifically of India, don't have a safe place to express themselves. They've been told what to do, how to be, what career path to choose. But every person, regardless of gender, has a purpose in their life. And if I can help facilitate and think and help kids think about what that purpose is, help them to gain confidence so that they can really live that purpose, then I'm going to do it. And in India, as many people know, verbal communication could sometimes be looked on as disrespectful. But nonverbal communication, which is dance, movement, uh, doing things, you know, with sort of choreography and groups of people, that's not disrespectful at all. That, on the contrary, becomes art. It's like, oh, you're trying to say something without really pointing a finger at anyone. The message comes across, but more importantly, these girls started to become more empowered. At that time, I was teaching between 9 and 14 years old. The program took on a life of its own, Jonathan. I'm not kidding. All of a sudden, it went into colleges, deaf schools. I was teaching juvenile delinquents. It was used for corporate training also. And then we had study abroad programs with the Netherlands, with schools in Spain and Greece. It just exploded. So I guess people, all of us, need a reason and need a place to be able to speak up and just be heard. Ronnie Peronic joining us. In our next segment, she shares the challenges of growing her school when Texas Business Minds continues. How did Texas Mutual Insurance Company make over 67,000 business owners smile? By sending $330 million in dividends to our workers' comp policyholders. See how we can make your business safer, stronger, and better at texasmutual.com better. So what were the challenges in getting that school started and then growing it? It sounds like it grew quickly. <laughs> it grew quickly. In 15 years, it definitely grew very quickly. Uh, the challenges, I would say, is uh, just having people understand dance and that it was not a classical form of dance. It was not modern dance. It was not Bollywood. It was expressive. It was what does your body express today? So having people to understand that. The other challenge, I would say, is... Uh, when you grow really fast, the challenge is how do you keep up? So for me, that was, uh, honestly, that was the challenge. And I was raising two daughters, part of a joint family, lots of social commitments, still dedicated to dance as one person. Again, with that growth, how do you juggle and balance all those factors of your life? And then people ask me, so how do you do it? I'll tell you, honestly, these are seasons. There's some seasons where you have to focus on certain parts of your life not ignoring the rest of them, but they may not take precedence. And you're very well aware of when those seasons will start to wean off and you're ready for the next season. At least for me, that's kind of what kept me going because I say there is no balance. There really isn't. Balance is like a moving target. It changes every single day. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so do you still teach dance here in Houston or... I don't teach dance, but do I love dancing? Absolutely. Do we have a WOM dance team? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I do still sing, though. I'm also a classically uh, trained vocalist, so I do love singing. And so I also read that uh, mentorship is a pretty high priority for you. Why is that so important in your eyes? 
it goes back to legacy. In 2018, I lost my brother. He was only 38 years old. And that really opened my eyes to say, you know, none of us are immortals. We all have a day, an expiry day, all of us. So if I know that today I've got breath to breathe, something to say, someone to help, then I'm going to do that. And if that comes in the form of me mentoring children, people, adults, corporates, whoever they are, then I'm going to put my effort into that because the more I can share, the more I can share, the more will be led on forward, even without me. And that's part of my legacy plan. That's awesome. And so the other thing is that I think you mentioned it earlier, the Puranix Foundation. Correct. Can you speak to me a little bit more about that? What's all involved with that? Absolutely. So the name is based off my parents, so Reka, my mom, and Sudhir, my dad, Puranic Foundation. My mom started this foundation about 20 years ago where she wanted to start her own school in Pune, India, which she does now. We own and operate that for underserved kids within the uh, surrounding areas, villages of Pune, India. So she started off under a tree. And today, fast forward 20 years later, it's a fully sustainable, well, majority sustainable campus of 27 acres of mountain land. When she started it, it was barren, nothing. Today, it's an oasis. She was able to engineer everything from water recycling, drip irrigation, solar, biogas. I mean, all kinds of alternative and sustainable methods of living, not just energy, of living and habits. Today, we on our campus, we have about 250 children aged from kindergarten up until the 12th, where they learn basically a private grade education. It's a state board recognized school. They all learn English. We had our first graduating class in 2016 where we had six kids and we don't just let them loose. You know, we always follow them. Some of the kids started their own uh, software companies, small things, right? But still they're standing on their feet. And one girl in particular, she went back to her village. She did have to get married. That's just part of the culture. But then she started her own school and her name is Lakshmi. So great stuff going on with the Pranic Foundation on the India side. Now, I am sort of like the bridge. I started a study abroad program with the Pranic Foundation where we took Houston high school kids to our campus in India to teach them what it means to be happy and successful in limited resources. I'm telling you, it's like a life-changing program for them. It's over 10 days over spring break and summer. Their eyes literally pop out and shine on day three. They're like, oh my God, I think I get it. So that's me for the Pranic Foundation. Now the best part is my older daughter. Now she conducts all the outreach programs in the greater Houston ISDs. Everything from what we call the Energy Project, where our high school kids get to design and prototype sustainable energy solutions that may be answering some problem in our community, anything. And then it goes through sort of like a business plan competition. They get awarded $15,000 to build their prototype and the winning team gets to actually try it and test it out on our India campus. But all this is my older daughter. So honestly, this is three generations of Puranic women at their best. And then my younger daughter now is putting together a, she calls it C3, uh, creating creating clarity and communication, something something to that effect. But it's a symposium which should be conducted, I think, in 24, 25, where youth will get together and talk about what's just challenging and um, important current events that they will have a chance to actually speak up and express, not to agree, but to express. 
it definitely sounds like um, this is a very family oriented uh, kind of organization, like all of it, <laughs> the whole all of it. caboodle. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how do you kind of manage uh, with each other and collaborate and stuff? You know, the secret to a great company, to great organizations is great people. I don't do this by myself. There's just no way. I mean, my executive assistant, I call her my chief of staff, Roxana Arroyo. If I didn't have her, I would not be having this podcast with you, right? So it's really about having those right people, appreciating those right people time and time again, making sure that those right people, they all have dreams as well. Making sure that we're empathetic enough to understand that this is just not my vision, but in the process, in the process that we're giving every single person in this organization, as leaders, as team members, to fulfill their own legacies, their own dreams and aspirations. So if I can manage that, then I will tell you, that's sort of like the success strategy. Now, is it challenging? Absolutely. Some people are not the right fit. So you've got to kind of make those harder decisions, but everyone has a fit. And once we find that, the collaboration is seamless. It really is because everyone enjoys what they do. I say that we don't come to work, we come to play. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And so the other thing I was curious about going back to nonprofits, why would you say it's important for business leaders to be involved in their communities? We are the ones who have the resources. Business communities basically are pools of people that come together for a common purpose, a common mission. So when people have the ability to come together, I mean, there's strength in numbers, right? The reason why it's important for us to be visual and give back to communities is because not every person in a community has the ability or even has access to work with groups of people like this. But when we show up in communities, it gives people the vision and the hope that they too can be part of a community, which is for a larger purpose, a larger calling than just a day-to-day-to-day minutia kind of living. And for for those people who really, really thrive, on living beyond themselves for a purpose, for a legacy, even though they may not always know what legacy or purpose means, but they're excited about it. That's the reason why companies really, really should go out into their communities and just say what they do. And I'm sure more pieces to that puzzle will come together. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you. I always sign off by saying there's always a way. There's always a way to be playful, purposeful, and powerful. Ronnie Peronic joining us. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.